All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us here. We appreciate your support. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful Wednesday. How you doing? I'm okay. Uh, it is a beautiful Wednesday. You know, it's just one. I'm just kind of not a lot of energy today for some reason. I don't know why, but I should be excited because I get to talk to you and we get to talk hockey, right? So let's get into her. First, get better, Tim. Fantastic. We got another chance tonight to win some Do-Re-Mi. I can't quite seem to get that win. So we got a big one tonight. Ed- Edmonton, Boston. Two teams going in the same direction lately. Edmonton winning, Boston winning, unfortunately. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, go to givebetter.app slash DTG. Make your picks for tonight's game. Tim's going to do it. I'm going to do it. And guess what? It's absolutely free for all our friends who listen to this show. If you use the promo code that I just said or use the uh, link givebetter.app slash DTG, you get five out of five picks right. You win $100 free. And this is up, you guys, in eight days. So the clock is ticking. Get on it. Download the app. Win yourself some money. And, yeah, they're, they're rolling out the hockey games every night now. So it's a lot of fun. They did the football. They did the basketball. Now they're having hockey. And it's it's a lot of fun. So go uh, go check it out. Have some fun. Win some money. Make some friends. All right, moving on, Tim. We had a potential goal of the year last night. A fantastic goal by Quentin Byfield, a player who largely up until this season hadn't lived up to his billing, second overall pick a few years back, having a breakout year this season, really coming into his own big body. I think he's like, what, 6'4", I want to say, a skill centerman, able to just kind of, is he even a center? I don't want to misspeak and get in trouble. Because he played both. Yeah. He plays Center both. But maybe he's playing wing this season because they have Dubois, they have Kopitar. I don't I don't exactly follow the Kings too closely these days, just because the West Coast time frame. But anyways, he had a tremendous goal versus Columbus Blue Jackets. An absolute coast to coast. They win the draw. Obviously, he's not a centerman because he didn't take the draw, but he picks it up off the draw and just goes coast to coast, undresses a defenseman. And Zach Wierenski, by the way, who, if I'm not wrong, is an all-star and just goes, you know, cross ice, forehand, backhand, a beautiful goal. If you haven't checked it out, go watch it because people are just clamoring about this goal. I wanted to make a couple comments. Great move by Byfield. Wierenski makes a mistake. If, if you show the goal, he's with him the whole way. 
He switches to, you know, skating forward out of the zone because Byfield's just flying. He should have pivoted to to skate backwards again. As a defenseman, you're not used to angling guys off like a forward does in the neutral zone. So he he's in, you know, uncharted territory skating forwards back towards his net with a forward who's just full speed ahead. So he doesn't know how to properly take an angle, and he just doesn't take a good angle. Byfield steps in front of him, and he's in on a breakaway. So I feel like if he would have just adjusted pivoted backwards at his blue line he had plenty of room he would have played that play fine you watch Boquist; he's expecting him to do that he's looking around for the trailer like he should and he just you know byfield scores a beautiful goal so props to him putting byfield having a breakout season finally good for him good for the la kings yeah, I'm watching the goal this, while you're talking right now, and it's really obvi- obviously amazing. But what sets it apart for me, because I watched it in real time, and I'm like, yeah, that's really, really be- beautiful. But you see a couple of goals like that where they undress the defenseman, go to the backhand, and that happens, you know, three or four times a season where you see that highlight real goal. But what sets this apart for me is him kicking it up to himself because he's like doing it where the pochecks right on him. And he's going full speed, and he just kicks it forward just enough to finish the play. I think that's what sets it apart and what makes it probably a goal of the year candidate. Yeah, good for him. Good, good kid. I'm glad he's doing well. He, LA needs him to to be a star, much like the Rangers need Lafreniere and Capocacco. Like these young guys need to step it up for LA and New New York specifically to have any chance in the postseason and in years moving forward. Because he, the future man, six four can skate like that. That's scary. So moving on, Tim. What are we talking about next? There were some crazy games. On Monday night, like absolutely bonkers. It was President's Day, for those of you who don't know. Another made-up dumb holiday, right? Can we just address this? It's just no point in having a President's Day. I I don't understand it. Half the country hates the president anyway. So um, to to have a holiday was just strange. So what was good was it games in the afternoon. A lot of fun. And Tim, the players playing in those games just completely forgot how to play defense. It was just run and gun up and down the ice. You checked the box score at the end of the day and you were just shocked. Like, is this a football game? Let's start with Boston Dallas, your favorite. You you were licking your chops in this game. Earlier this week, I said Boston would get three points the rest of this month. They've already gotten two. So I, I'm a little nervous based on my prediction. They haven't hit three yet, so I have some room. But what happened, Tim? Boston Dallas, big game for the Bruins. Yeah, big game is the first or the last home game before their big West Coast road trip. So they really wanted that W and they didn't look that great. And even um, so it was one to one. And then uh, Asa Lindell scored on a on a rush that he should not have scored on. It, Swayman didn't even touch it. It was just like bad angle shot. He's he's going full speed and he should have should have been an easy save, but it wasn't. And then all of a sudden it's two to one and the Bruins are just if you're feeling like, oh, my gosh, they're going to lose again. You could just sense it in the building. They get a power play late in the game. McAvoy makes a beautiful backdoor pass to Pasternak, who gets the one-timer, ties it up with a, you know, a minute and a half left. Then it goes to overtime. No one scores. Good back-and-forth play. We're strange coaching decisions in this, at least for the Bruins, because I was paying attention to who, you know, who they're putting on the ice. I don't know what if guys are hurt or what, but like, what is Jesper Boquist doing on, in a three-on-three overtime in a five-minute? You know what I mean? And some of the other put, players they were putting out there. Um, but the, no one scored in overtime. They go to the shootout. It goes nine rounds, and uh, it was uh, they scored right away. The first, I forget who the shooter was, and then uh, Robertson, and then Marshawn scores the second shooter for Boston, and then it goes down to if the, uh, Dallas shot second, and Tyler Sagan was their third shooter, and if he had scored, 
they would have won the game. And I was just crossing my fingers. I'm like, anyone but Sagan. Like, don't let Sagan be the reason that Dallas beats Boston today in the shootout. He doesn't score. They keep going, keep going. Again, some strange choices where they went with Jesper Boquist again in the shootout. Kevin Shattenkirk went in the shootout all before McAvoy, which you think would be like the, after the star forwards, he's a fifth or sixth guy up there. He was number nine. Finally, he scored on the same play that Robertson scored. You know, fakes the, the, the forehand, goes to the backhand, roofs it. And um, Swayman makes a beautiful stop on uh, Craig Smith. Weird play. It kind of bounces behind him, just sort of jets on the line and doesn't cross. And Bruins get the win, which they needed. Like you said, two points that um, I, I think I had him for five points out of the 12 for the rest mm-hmm. of the month. So they're looking pretty good. And now they're hitting uh, Edmonton tonight, but much needed win for the Bees. So Jesper Bokvist, is he their defensive specialist? Because it is a strange thing for him to get the start in overtime. It's a reactionary pick because Dallas gets the first line change, right? Because they're on the road. So they probably put out their top guns. And maybe the Bruins coach just went in there and just played safe in the first shift or the second shift? Yeah, he, it wasn't the start. It was somewhere in the middle of, of the of the five-minute overtime. I noticed he was on the ice, and I'm like, what's he doing? So, yeah, maybe it was a, a shutdown responsibility or something. He said, hey, go go out there and play against Robertson or Pavelski or something. But a little strange. Um, but whatever, we'll take the W. Well, because with the Bruins, you really only have one threatening scoring line in, in the three-on-three format. That's Marshawn, Pasternak, and... and- Charlie, right? Like Jake DeBrusque is is not suited for the three on three. Neither is Charlie Coyle. Those are two big bodied guys. JVR is not a three on three specialist. So can you cobble together two good threatening three on three lines? I don't think you can. So I think that shifts your coaching. And I that's a smart play. Play defense, play defense, and then go out there and have one solid, you know, all offense line. Whereas other teams, Toronto, they can just roll out three solid scoring lines so boston just doesn't have that type of team so three on three maybe isn't their strong suit so good for them smart coaching i I like that and then yeah their fourth line center strange but yeah is morgan gecky a defensive specialist i don't i don't watch the bruins too closely but you know what else is a w I love they, they I mentioned that guy last show, Justin Brazo, they or Brazo or however you say it. Um they signed him to an NHL contract after being a minor league player. So he played his first game on Monday and he scored a goal. And I just love when guys score on their on their de- their debut. There's another guy that did that for another team on Monday as well. Just a cool moment. I really he had like five it. shots. He looked good. He created Active. some offense. He was playing shooter. with um Trent Frederick. He was on Frederick's line. Very exciting. All right. Another another exciting game. Probably the most exciting game on Monday was Minnesota-Vancouver. Yeah. Just when you think the game is over, the Canucks were dominating. It's 5-2 at one point. They're up by two entering the third period. This is usually stick a fork in me. I'm done. The Vancouver Canucks have done this all season long. They just continue to pile it on, pile it on, pile it on. All of a sudden, the Minnesota Wild woke up and scored seven goals in the third period. Seven. Are you kidding me? Just one after the other. Kaprizov, Eriksenak both get hat tricks. I think JT Miller had a hat trick in this game, too. Three hat tricks, goals out the yin yang. The Canucks weren't done scoring either. They popped a couple goals in as well. Final score of 10 to 7. An absolutely bonkers game. Six points each for Kaprizov and Eriksenak. Like, who would have thought this team was an offensive juggernaut? I didn't think they had this much in them, but. What does this do? Is it is this like a black eye for the Canucks, or is this more like the Wild showing up and putting a stamp on the season, saying we're here, 
We just beat the best team in the league. Let's go. Because this this could be demoralizing for the Vancouver Canucks, or it could just be a jumping off point for the Minnesota Wild, or both, Tim. What did you think of this game? Well, it's a little bit of both. You know, Vancouver, it's a tough loss for them. They've lost three in a row for the first time this year. Um, and so that's that's one of them, obviously. But I think it's bigger. It's a bigger statement for Minnesota to, to put up that many goals and just to be that hot where you just feel like every time you go on the ice, you expect to score the way the third period was going. And I wish I had watched it. But we talked about them the other the other day as well, just them heating up at the right time. It feels weird to talk about how hot they are because they lost last night to um, Winnipeg. But still six three and one in their last ten. They're looking really good. They're still on the outside looking in when you look at the playoffs. But I have a feeling that they're going to keep winning and, and they'll sneak into that, that second wild card spot. And that's you also, still are confident, really. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And, and that's I don't want to say that, like they could upset some of these juggernauts up front, but I, did, I also don't think there'll be an easy out in the first round the way they keep playing. Yeah, you got the Nashville Predators. They're in the same boat. And then there, there is, like we said last show, there's three or four teams vying for that last wild card spot. I think L.A. has that first wild card spot pretty much wrapped up at this point. They have a bunch of games in hand, and they're already up by six points. So St. Louis, Nashville, Minnesota, Seattle, Calgary still sniffing around. Arizona, on the other hand, Tim. Woof. They just lost their 10th straight game the other night versus Edmonton Oilers. And, and can we just... Just get this on the table right now. I watched part of that game. It was embarrassing. If you're an Arizona Coyotes fan or uh, just anybody associated with the team. It, and I, I used to play in Arizona, so I used to get a sense of this when other other team would come in and you would hear the cheers from the other team. It was, it was embarrassing when you're sitting in a 20,000-seat arena. In a 5,000-seat arena, if you can't find... 3,500 fans from Arizona to, to come to every game consistently. That's bad. This arena, Tim, was 75% Oilers fans. So every time the Oilers scored, and they scored six times, the place went bonkers. Absolutely wild. Every time Arizona scored, there was a, ah, yeah. And then the Oilers would score, yeah, like just like a, a, a raucous roar. That in itself is embarrassing. And then the other point is Arizona's now lost 10 games in a row. Two weeks ago, they were in a wild card position. Now they've just fallen to seventh point, seventh place in the wild seventh seventh place in the wild card. They're three spots out of the last place in the Western Conference. So the wheels have come off the Arizona Coyotes. This has drastically altered how they're going to approach free agency and the wild card. Ex- ex- excuse me. The trade did I'm all fired up here, Tim. I gotta take a breath. Did you, this changes how they're they're approaching the trade deadline in, in a week and a half because they potentially could have been buyers. Now they're sellers. They had a good season. They had a good run the first 45 games of the season. Now it's now it's back back to reality. Teams are starting to, you know, need to win games and they're beating the Arizona Coyotes, and now they're well out of a playoff spot. So they're gonna be sellers. Which they probably should have been in the first place, but maybe they were gonna add because they were having a, a fun season. Get into that wild card spot. Treat the fans. Not anymore. This team is a dumpster fire. They can't stop losing, and they can't get fans to to buy tickets to watch their own game, their home team. And they're trying to keep the team in Arizona, and they can't even get support. Five thousand seat arena, and they give a portion of those seats to the school, so they have a fan section. So they're really only selling what forty five hundred, and they can't even sell them. It's crazy. They don't deserve to have a team. Did you see any of this? 
Um, I did, yeah. And I so they were playing the the Leafs tonight in Arizona. Did you uh, see that comment uh, from Matthew Nyes? Yes. He's, um, he's he's from Phoenix. And so he's like, Yeah, I got like I got family coming, I have friends, I have friends of friends, all these people, like fifty plus people, which in that arena is a whole section. Like he just you can't the, and this is what I mean about people saying you guys are so critical of Arizona. It's like I'm not. I'm reading what guys in the league are saying. Coaches, yeah. GMs, players. I'm just quoting them. You know what I mean? Like this is everyone's talking about it. And I understand you want to defend your team, but it's this happening. It's nothing to do with us being critical. It's it's just happening. We interview in players pretty regularly. And they all hate playing in Arizona across the board. Not one of them has said, oh, it's pretty cool. They're all like, this is a college arena and it's embarrassing. I don't ask all of them how they like Arizona, how they like playing there. The ones I do, they're like, it's pretty crappy. The rink stinks. The locker room stinks. And it's it's a college rink, a subpar college rink at that. My rink I played at Michigan Tech is better. It's got more history. It's got more updated facilities. It's better. It's just bonkers. I don't want to dwell on it too long, but you mentioned the Toronto Maple Leafs. They won again last night. They beat the St. Louis Blues 4-2. to two. We're just doing a recap, everybody. I like doing this. It's fun. They beat the St. Louis Blues again 4-2. to two. The St. Louis Blues, who were, like I mentioned a couple shows ago, one of the hottest teams in the NHL. Toronto 4-2. to two, Not even an issue. Since Morgan Riley has been suspended, They've 4-0. A very crucial point in this season. They were teetering on the wildcard position. Now they haven't solidified their spot in the top three. They're still, you know, wrestling with Tampa Bay, but they're they've distanced themselves from the wildcard. They're solidly in a playoff position right now. They can look forward. They don't have to worry about being on the bubble again. But this is, in my opinion, Tim, this was a huge five games for them. And they have passed every single test with flying colors. Austin Matthews is Picked his game up. Obviously, he scored again. He's got 49 now on pace for 75. The greatest goal scorer in the NHL right now over the last however many years, three, four years. Not, not a question. If he gets 75, I will put it up there with Wayne Gretzky's 100 and whatever goals he gets because it's so much harder to score in today's game than it was back in the 80s and 90s. All that aside, the Toronto Maple Leafs, this, this, is, this is a good side for them. Losing, adversity. Goaltender issues, losing your best defenseman, your leader, and then all of a sudden coming out the other side of it, potentially five and zero for the games that he missed. It's big. It may not, it may not show up at the end of the season, but this is how you build character. This is how you build, win these games that maybe you shouldn't have won. I think they're they're learning a lot right now. I know it's crazy because they've been together for what seven years now. I think this is a big stretch for them. I expect them to lose four or five. So did all the other pundits. They were calling for them to, you know, we got to do something. Get rid of Tavares. We got to – Willie, that was a terrible signing. I've said it up and down. But th this could potentially be good for them in the playoffs. What do you think? Yeah. You know, we talked about whether it's going to make or break their season. And right now it feels like it made it. It's, it made mm -hmm. them tighter. It made them play stronger. And they, they stepped up. You're getting better defense. Um, other guys in the back end stepping up too. And this is exactly the kind of thing that you rally around that makes you a tougher team to play against in the playoffs. You know what I mean? The adversity and just like the, the galvanizing that happens in the room when you come across something like this. So, yeah, they're dangerous. They're looking really good. Yeah. And does it change the need for a defenseman? I don't think it changes that. I, I think they just they relied on TJ Brody, Lilligren, Jake McCabe over this stretch. But they, they still need to add a defenseman at the deadline. They've been kicking the tires on a few few uh, Calgary Flames defensemen.
So we'll see if they can make the numbers work. But there is a need there, but it is it is promising that they can go out, play a complete game, and beat some pretty solid teams. Obviously, they they sprinkled Anaheim in there. They bonked them nine to two. Like that wasn't even a fun game. But yeah, beating St. Louis twice is is a pretty big deal. All right, moving on, Tim. Winnipeg Jets, Calgary Flames. Speaking of Calgary, Sean Monahan's first time coming back to Calgary. He played there for what twelve years, and he was basically kicked out of town with the first rounder they had to give up to get him off of the books. They hated him there. We got to get rid of him in his contract. We got to resign Kachuk. We got to resign Gaudreau. We got to resign all these guys. Sean Monahan, you make too much money. Beat it. They shipped him off to Montreal with the first rounder and all that money. Well, he came back and he had some. He had a little vendetta, a little revenge in mind. What did he do? Three straight goals, natural hat trick, suck it, Calgary, and he just leaves riding away on a white horse with the win for Winnipeg Jets. He's so much happier in Winnipeg. Did you see these? Not like remarkable goals. They're very Sean Monaghan goals around the net, rebounds, power plays, quick passes. This is what he does. He's a big body. He scores goals. What do you think about his performance, Tim? Pretty impressive? Yeah, really impressive. Obviously, it's vindicating to go back home and and uh, to a team that shipped you out for nothing, for less than nothing, and then you go and score a natural hat trick in the first period. And it's good for him, too, because it's good for the Jets, because that's what they brought him in for, was the power play. He doesn't need to dazzle. He just needs to make those dirty plays in front of the net and bury the, the chances that he gets. Two out of three goals were on the power play, and the Jets, this is what they brought him in for. They've been struggling on the on the power play all season long. They're hovering around 17 18%. And this is after um, this game, so it might have been even worse a couple of days ago. And they bring him in, and this is what this is what exactly what they needed. Um, which is like that by that number, by the way, puts them in the bottom third of the league. They're like twenty third. Like they have a worse power play than like um, Anaheim and some of these other just really bad teams. So they really needed this. And the Jets are looking really strong right now. They beat Minnesota last night as well. So yeah, good for them. Yeah, it's funny how you would think the easiest position to play because it requires really no movement at all just kind of sitting in a certain spot there's not a lot of takers for that position i'm talking about the net front position on the power play it's such a unique skill set to be able to a get the goalie's eyes b find pucks on a rebound and c be an available outlet for a pass every now and again but to do it all in like a, a five foot by five foot box there's you think it would be simple. You just sit there, take a cross check, tip a puck, get a rebound. It's such a dying art. Players don't like going in front of the net anymore. Players like playing on the perimeter, going one timers, toe drags, stuff like that. Backdoor tap ins. The guys who are really good at it seem to be, you know, long in the tooth. Corey Perry, Joe Pavelski, those types of guys where they can, you know, work in a phone booth. They can work in large amounts of traffic. So Sean Monahan knows how to do it. I don't know of any young, maybe Brady Kachuk is good in the net front, but maybe not. You know, it's a, it's a dying art. I watched the Hawks quite a bit. They don't have a guy who's good in the front. Nick Foligno gets forced there. They, it's, it's something that teams desperately want. And you look at a struggling power play, all signs point to a bad net front guy. Because you need that to be successful. Everybody talks about the Rangers. They're so good. They're so good. Panarin's a bit of Jad, Adam Fox. It's Kreider in front of the net. Yeah. It's Kreider. Yeah. He does all the dirty work. Joe Pavelski with Dallas Stars. Those guys are the guys who make a successful power play. So 
this is huge for the Jets. And I said it when he went to Winnipeg. He'll make a bigger impact than Elias Lindholm will in Vancouver. And I think we're seeing it right now. He He's definitely changing things on the power play. He's not going to kill it five on five, but he's just a good, solid player. So cool. And then just stuff it to Calgary. That's got to feel good for him. You know what I mean? Because it's not like he didn't try in Calgary. It just didn't work out. To go back and get a freaking natural hat trick in the first period. Oh, oh, Tim, what a dream. When I would go back and play my teams, it would it would always I would always try my best to show them what they were missing in warm ups because I was usually a healthy scratch. So I'd try, <laughs> try to go bar down, baby, in warm ups. Like yeah, and then I'd go in the press box and eat hot dogs. But it was uh, what a what a feeling for Sean Monahan. It's got to be terrific. All right, let's talk about the Hawks because they were in a fun game too. They played the um, Carolina Hurricanes, and what I took out of this game was the puck possession for the Carolina Hurricanes. Is absolutely incredible. I know they were playing the Hawks. The Hawks have been in hard out lately. They've been playing hard, but just the way they control the puck, they don't give it up if they don't have to. I am starting to change my tune on this team. They're going to be a hard out in the playoffs. They seem to just, they're, they're really good, Tim. They're really a dangerous team. And I know, like I said, Chicago's not the hardest opponent, but they were making some plays that were just making me second guess this this Carolina Hurricanes team. Maybe maybe I am underestimating them a little bit. Seth Jarvis looked great. Sebastian Ajo looked dangerous. Kaki and Emmy even was scoring some goals. Brent Burns picked up a, a nice, nice goal with no room on the short side along the goal line. Like this is this is a solid team. The only thing that's holding them back right now, goaltending. And that's been a common theme for these contending teams. New Jersey Devils don't have anybody. Carolina Hurricanes don't have anybody. Toronto Maple Leafs have had questioned. Edmonton Oilers are questioning that. So whatever team addresses their goaltending situation, I think, even the Rangers, for Pete's sake, Shesterkin, playing really subpar this season. So there are some questions to be answered for these teams, but Carolina, Tim, oof. You watch them a lot because you're in their backyard, but they're they're a pretty solid team. And they, they added to the Hawks' woes. Chicago has now lost 20 in a row on the road, which has to be some kind of record. But anything to say on Carolina? Because I know they're kind of your hometown team. Well, who was the goalie in that game? Remind me. The Carolina. Do you remember? Kachekov or whatever. Okay, because there, there was a fun little moment where when Bedard scored, which is a great goal, yeah. um, and he and he stared down Kochekov. I don't know. There must have been something, some conversation, because he stared him down celebrating. And Kochekov just points up with the, the scoreboard. Because I think it was, what, 5-2 to two at that point. Um, but I love the gamesmanship. I love that stuff. Yeah, you know what? I, I gained a lot of respect for Connor Bedard there because Kachekov on the way back to the bench in the commercial break, he bumps Bedard. He, he gives him a little shove, and Bedard right away sticks him in the gut. I'm like, I like that. Nobody, Jared Tenorti, big tough guy, was just standing there watching it. I'm like, this is your this is your job to protect this guy. If a goalie bumps him, you go like Marty McSorley crazy, and you go after the goalie. You're losing five to two. Like you jump the goalie and start throwing haymakers. So I wish you would have had a different reaction. I got to be careful what I say about Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's stick with the Hawks for a second. Bear. I okay. saw uh, this great stat that Patrick Kane has 800 career assists now. And they posted a list, the NHL, of all of every player that scored um, <clears throat> that he's assisted on. And there's like, I don't have it in front. I mean, I can't count this, but there's over 100 names here. It's like, it's crazy. And there's most of them have one goal. There's probably 40 of them. With just one goal, including Jared Tenorti. But I want to quiz you off the cuff. Who are the top three players that have scored off Patrick Kane assists? Oh, the top three off of his assists. Oh, yeah. I saw this on the agenda. I thought it was going to be top three assist getters of all time. And I was no, like, no, I no. think I can do that. 
the yeah. top three well it has to be um it's obviously all blackhawks players i'm trying to think of goal scorers is it going to be well taves maybe taves is number one 118 okay then it's sharpie sharp is three with 62 okay and number three is going to be uh hosa hosa's down by number seven only 29 they were usually oh, on different okay. lines all right then it's going to be is it keith or seabrook seabrook is number six at 37 keith is number nine with 22 i'm just missing a player i don't know who it you're, is you're missing a big one let's think more recently the last five years oh panarin nope panarin is number four brink it brink it yeah 75 wow yeah. you know who rounds up the top five and nisimov 42 he's ahead of seabrook hosa strom keith Saad, buffalin all those guys Artem Anisimov. Yeah. He's trying to make a comeback, too. I think he signed with um, some minor league team for the Rangers. Maybe the Hartford Wolfpack, I want to say. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, hopefully he makes a comeback. Nice guy. Good set of mitts on him. All right, Tim, let's do some quick hits here. Brought to you by DoorDash. You guys hungry? If you're hungry in the USA, I don't give a crap. This is only available in Canada. So take that, USA. If you're hungry, pull up your DoorDash app. You get... 25% off, zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more, or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code NATION25. Subject to change, terms apply. Only in Canada, DoorDash. Code NATION25. All right, Tim. Morgan Riley's, I mentioned earlier, they're 4-0 without him. They don't care. He appealed his suspension to the great arbiter, Gary Bettman. One of the brightest minds in the game, a man who knows the ins and outs of every inch of every rink, a man who knows the rule books forward and backwards. Morgan Riley pleaded to him, please, Gary, oh, great, Gary, reduce my sentence, please. And Gary said, -uh. no bueno. He said, I'm the one who gave you the five games to begin with. You think George Peros is in control? -uh. I pull the strings around here, Morgan. The five game stands. Eligible to come back Thursday. What do you think? Good decision by Gary? Yeah, so Riley, was. I was reading about it this morning. He, he was going for three games, and, you know, his strategy was probably ask for three, expect that you can get it down to four, and, you know, you move on. But they upheld it. And then his reasoning was, um, Riley, in, in his appeal, was that he doesn't have any history of this, and Grieg wasn't hurt. And, and Bettman was like, yeah, we took both of those things into effect, in, into consideration when we gave you five. So that does nothing for me, which I thought was kind of fun. But again, I want said, one of these times yeah. for him to increase the suspension because he has that ability. Right. Well, I'm going to appeal it, and he's going to go look at it. You know, upon further review, we're going seven. Like, it was really bad, and, and we messed up. We should have gave you more. I want that to happen just so we limit these appeals a little bit. Yeah, first-time offense. I, I was a first-time offender. got seven games. Ridiculous. Well, you deserved it. You deserved it. But Erickson was hurt. So, but that, I, I don't think the injury should play a part in it whatsoever. Different people react to different types of hits. Should not play a part in it whatsoever. Who I think said that's it, a, uh, a couple of years ago, it was either Malkin or Ovechkin, where someone, the ref was talking to him about his high stick and he made someone bleed. And the guy was like, well, maybe he bleeds easily, you know? Yeah, I, think I agree. Some people yeah. have like bounty soft skin. You touch them and they start bleeding. I have a soft nose. As soon like a cold breeze goes up there, I start bleeding. It's just it is. It's been broke so many times. I used to be a bleeder as a kid, so I, my nose gushes. I get a bloody nose at least once a week. 
I used just to. from a heart a hearty laugh. Yeah. You cauterized it. You got a little cauter cauterization. Yeah. I didn't do that. I didn't want um, a burning Q-tip shoved up my nose. Made me nervous. All right, a couple no noteworthy drop offs this season, Tim. You did a little digging. Who's uh, underperforming this year? Well, I saw a stat of everyone who was on on pace for eighty two plus points this year. You know, the point per game, and there's like you know thirty forty players who were doing it. But one of them was Jason Robertson, who was on pace for exactly 82. And I was like, didn't he have like 100-plus points last year? So it made me go digging. He had 109 last year. So it's a pretty big drop-off of 27 points um, from year to year. Uh, and I looked at a couple others, too. And there's there's lots that, you know, 10, 15, 20 fewer points. Um, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins was another one. He had 104 points last year. He was on pace for only 77 this year, which is another huge drop-off. And the one that's probably most disappointing, not just by the numbers, but in terms of what I had hoped would be a new level standard that he was setting last year, and he didn't do it this year, Tage Thompson, 94 points last year. He's on pace for 58. 58, John. That's Because I asked you this straight out last year. I'm like, okay, 94 points, 40-some, 47, I think he had goals. Yep. And I said, is this the new standard? Is, has he arrived with a superstar? And he said, yeah, this is who he needs to be from now on. And this is 58 points is... Is no good. Maybe he heats up. You know, we're talking about his 82 game pace, but it's not looking good for him. No, and what's more disappointing here is he's he's not the head guy in Buffalo anymore. Unfortunately, he has kind of ceded that position to, strangely enough, Casey Middlestead. He huh. he has come on, and now he is the go to guy in Buffalo when they need a point in in crunch time. Because I don't know what's happened to Tage. I know he was injured. He came back. He's played 45 games this year, so the lion's share of the games, but it's just not happening. He had a pretty charmed year last year. Everything seemed to be fine in the back of the net. He was he was clipping along at a pretty good pace, but his is the most disappointing because you could sense the potential there. He was feeling it. He was learning his body. He was playing, you know, really solid hockey, and he's just nowhere to be found from where he was last year. Even two years ago, he had a good year. He had 68 points, I want to say. So it's unfortunate. Buffalo invested a ton of money in him. They 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 gave him a big deal. Now they put them themselves in a position where can they afford Casey Middlestead? He's going to be an RFA this year. He was a high draft pick. What do we do with him? I, I've heard rumblings that they might try to dangle him at the trade deadline. Get something for him because he's going to want a big deal like Tage Thompson, a big deal like Jeff Skinner, Dylan Cousins. All those guys make over $7 million. They just give Rasmus Dahlin 11. Casey Middlestead was a high-end draft pick. He's going to be 25 this year. So like, what do you do? Do you give him a $7, 8000000 million contract? Or do you, you ship them out? So I, I, I don't know what the answer is here. The Buffalo Sabres have a lot of tough questions. Much like the Ottawa Senators, this is their team. This is who they are. They have the guys locked up long-term. They got Samuelson on the back end. They got Owen Power, Connor Clifton, Rasmus Dahlin. That's their crew on the back end. Up front, you got Tuck, Cousins, Tage Thompson, Skinner, Olafson. Like, what do you... I don't know. It's a tough position for a GM to be in. You expect this team to take the next step, and they take a step back, unfortunately. So Kevin Adams is going to have a lot of work to do at the deadline in this offseason to try to figure out where this team's going. Maybe Tage was upset they re-signed Kyle Okposo. Huh. He, didn't, yeah. he didn't get the seat. You bring Okposo back for two and a half. Tage Thompson's a little upset. This was my team. Maybe I would be upset. You bring in Eric Johnson, a 35-year-old vet, and give him three and a quarter. It was a terrible signing too, but 
Yeah, Tage, Tage has to be the most disappointing of all those groups. I don't think Jason Robertson's is that big of a drop-off. You know, Ryan Nuge last year was an outlier of his career. That was the first time he got to 100, so 77 is probably where he should live. Tage is disappointing. I expected him to ascend, not descend on the point standing. So what are you going to do? Hopefully you can find his way, but I'm off the Tage bandwagon. I, I I started the tattoo, the outline, and I didn't fill it in, thankfully, so I can get rid of it. But he's struggling, Tim. Who all who who's succeeding? Well, Nathan McKinnon, his point streak now at home at home games is 27 games, which is just ludicrous. But this actually ties into my next little question here. I threw this up on social media. There's like a trend to like put up four options, and people do it with like candy bars or chips or bands or whatever. To say one of them's got to go, pick the odd man out. And I, and I threw up McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon, and Kucherov. And on Instagram, I put up the poll. You can do a poll now. And we have over 6,000 responses. 6,000 people voted in this poll. And I'm going to just ask, before you, you make your pick, just what do you think the order is in terms of who they thought should be eliminated from this group? Who was number one? Should just be eliminated on first. Yeah. Um, McDavid, Matthews, Kuch, and McKinnon. Matthews. It's an impossible question. Matthews. Matthews? He was second. He got 32%. Okay, so the my my order would be I'd eliminate Matthews first, and I would eliminate Kucherov second. Kucherov had 57% of the votes, which is just a lot. Um, well, when then, you're up against these guys, like this is, yeah. this is the creme de la creme, but it gets down to like, who do you think the best player is? Like across the board in all facets of the game, and I, I think McKinnon is the best player of these four. If I'm rolling into a season and I want one guy to be my guy, McDavid does a lot. Like we know his points. I like McKinnon. I think he is the best player out of these four. So what do you think? Yeah, I, I would probably pick Matthews first too, just because of, I don't want to say he's one dimensional, but like he scores goals and that's the thing that he provides the most value. But I think McKinnon is the most complete player and Kucherov and McDavid just put up just silly points numbers every year. But most of the comments that were voting for Kucherov had to do with like his attitude and just how unlikable he is and his ego and things like that, which whatever. I, which I don't is know. bonkers because he is only like he's a two time Stanley Cup winner. Yeah. I, I don't understand why he gets such a bad rap just because he doesn't do like commercials and isn't on social media and just. Like this very amicable guy, amicable guy, where you have to be like likable to be a good hockey player. I don't understand this. He doesn't well, have an earring at the All Star game. Like the other thing know. too is like you look at those four. Two of them have cuffs, and one of them is Connor McDavid. That leaves that leaves Matthews as the odd man out. You know, so. But I mean, they're all phenomenal. It's hard to it's hard to pick one. They are, but the question is, which one don't you want? And I think it's a pretty obvious choice. Matthews is one. Pretty like when it comes down to skill, McDavid is better. I think Kucherov is better all around, and I think McKinnon is better all around. Matthew scores goals. That's what he does. I don't know. People are people I, are just. Very, I agree with you. They're very opinionated and they're stuck in their ways. So moving on. All right, Tim. What do we got? We got some. Uh, we have some merchandise potentially yeah. coming out. Little announcement. It is coming out. We're partnering with Everything Hockey. Uh, great, great apparel brand. They have those, the famous um, hockey lace hoodies and all kinds of colors. And we have some merch coming out within the next week. It's going to be quick. So I will share more information on social. We'll give you the links. We'll give you, um, maybe we'll do some discount codes or something. So stay tuned for that. And no, we're not doing discount codes. 
maybe we'll maybe we'll pick some lucky winners to yeah let's uh, do that do a little giveaway but yeah check it out and uh, stay tuned for more information very excited we should about have it. asked the listeners what they wanted from a uh, merch because uh, they asked yeah. us and i i honestly could care less what the merch says but some people like you know fun graphics i was thinking you could have a shirt of phil kessel swinging his stick at me i thought that was fun but that that didn't go over well nobody wa- nobody wanted that so maybe maybe the next drop speaking of maybe. merch you hear fanatics is having a darndest of a time with their first rollout of their jerseys and stuff like that i guess at the all-star game fans wanted jack hughes jerseys and they didn't have enough and so they contacted fanatics and they said can we order them directly from you and they said no the player the player said he didn't want more jerseys made and the new jersey devils said that's not true and so fanatics is just basically lying to this person who wants to buy a jersey because they don't have it they don't want to make any more they can't make any more so it's just and i heard bad reports out of the mlb they got the mlb deal as well and the pitchers hate the so jerseys bad. the graphics are yeah. terrible they just look ugly and multiple players are like these are cheap these don't feel like major league baseball quality jerseys that players should wear so what are we doing here like sometimes and i do this because i work engineering sometimes the best deal maybe isn't the best deal you know what i mean because you take bids you have a contract and you bid it out and one is really really lower and you have to and my dad he's he's good with this he's like you don't take the lowest bid because they're usually the worst you take the one in the middle and fanatics obviously was the lowest bid they got the contract for the mlb and the nhl and now you're reaping what you sow because they are just it's just subpar quality across there's the board a, there's twitter accounts dedicated to just like retweeting and reposting what people share and like all day every day people are posting like the wrong last name on the number Ugh. and it's not just like little one-off things and custom stuff stuff hanging in the the merch stores in the arenas have the wrong numbers or or typos or like wrong logos it's it's everywhere it's crazy and it's, I think they have a 10-year deal with the NHL. Didn't they sign it's a 10-year deal? It's yeah. it's a long deal. It's a bad look. And I, well, it's because Adidas didn't want it. They're, the the margins aren't there for profit, I would imagine. So, hey, I guess we're in it here. But, yeah, don't uh, – our stuff will be better than theirs. That's what I'm <laughs> trying to get at. We, yeah. we won't make a mistake. We can personalize stuff, too. I don't know. Maybe we can't. But anyways, no. everybody. No, we can't. Tim's like, no, we can't. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate the support. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Have a good Wednesday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 